Welcome to the Make Light Show, the podcast that's all about curating meaning and joy in a light-filled life and part of the Life Listened Podcast Network. I'm Karen Walrent, photographer, storyteller, and author of The Beauty of Different, Observations of a Confident Misfit. Join me as I speak with light seekers and light makers from around the world, learning all about how they live with intention and a sense of adventure. It's proof that positivity, creativity, and kindness make the world go round. I've known Amy Woodall for some time. In fact, when our house flooded due to Hurricane Harvey, Amy was the one who took our family in. But besides being an exceptional friend, she's also a badass businesswoman, a rebel, and a catalyst for amazing work. During Harvey, she and a friend put together The Giving Hub, a distribution center that helped thousands of families in the Gulf Coast during the worst of the disaster. She is fearless when it comes to making a difference. So join us today as we talk about taking risks to change the world and why walking thousands of miles alone in the woods changed her life. Amy, I am so, so beyond excited that you are joining me to here today on the Make Light Show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, and I'm so excited for everybody to meet you because I, I literally, I, when I talk about you now, I always say, you know, make her turn around so you can see the angel wings behind her um, so she can show you because Amy is the person that literally gave us a place to live when we had no place to live after Hurricane Harvey. So, um... Yeah, there's a there's a place in heaven for you, sister. I wish you would stop thanking me for that because <laughs> it was it was the the it was you know a joy to get to have you as my neighbor for oh, such a such a time. It was great, and your your little garage apartment is just magical. So, all right, so Thanks. before I fawn all over you for the entire time that we're together, <laughs> let me introduce you to our listeners. You are the CEO and the founder of the Black Sheep Agency, which is a branding firm here in Houston, and you always do really edgy, innovative, creative branding. Um, and you do it for companies who, who give a damn, right? Companies who care. Yeah, yeah. Which is just fantastic. So I'm, we're going to take you back to the very beginning. And I, I'd love to hear, like, when you were a little girl, did you grow up thinking, I'm going to be a branding executive? Like, <laughs> like, like how, did that, how did that come to be that you were like, okay, this is really what I'm going to be doing? You know, I wish that I had that uh, that runway for planning this because um, when I was a little girl, I I'm not really sure I knew I knew what I want to be. I'm sure I tried out a bunch of different things, but uh, maybe I, you know, in a way, I'm still a little girl, and my imagination <laughs> is still running wild. Um, so in 2009, I had been working in the advertising uh, industry for about a decade and I hit a wall. I just, I, I felt like there was something different out there. I, I loved the field, but there was the rise of uh, digital media and the changing landscape of how consumers interact with brands, that kind of two, shift to two-way participation mm, and conversation yeah. was happening. And I felt like the the uh, industry wasn't responding to that fast enough. And at the same time, we were in the middle of a recession, which made consumer behaviors change as well. And and people were being more protective with who they were spending their time and money on. And mm -hmm. And it just seemed like the world was screaming for a change and something more authentic and something more responsive. And, and so I 
cut ties where I was and I started looking for something more meaningful. And in a weekend, I, (laughs) I couldn't find it. And, and everything sounded like where I was coming from. And I just was not willing to go back in that direction. So, uh, that Monday morning, my, my clients started calling me and they said, you know, where'd you go? What's going on? And, and what are you going to do? Because we want to, we want to do it with you. And, um, we, we want to go where you are. And, and one of them said, if you're not starting your own agency, you're crazy. And I had never wanted to start my own agency. Uh, but that person planted that seed and I was just Mm. in the right place at the, you know, at that moment at this tipping point. And I said, uh, you know, once he said it, it was like it was it was happening. So and wait, wait, wait! I gotta slow you down right now. So you <laughs> quit your you quit your job on a Friday. On a Friday, thought I'll look for a job on the weekend. So you didn't have a job, right? Like you quit without going to another job, without planning to go to another job. I was pretty fed up. Okay, so you're fed up. You quit. You're like, uh, uh-uh, uh, I'm out. And, and so it you- didn't. And it didn't just happen that Friday. You know, there was there was a lot of things building up to that, sure. and then it just hit that point where it was like, I'm jumping off this cliff now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you jump. You got no net as far as you. So you're looking for a net. You're looking for another gig, and people are already oh, yeah. going. Hold up. Where are you? And by Monday morning, you're like, Well, I'm at the Black Sheep Agency, my own firm, within 72 hours. Well, I, so yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. That is so great. The short, the short answer to that is yes. I, I just knew that I, I was so frustrated with um, having stayed satisfied in that place for so long that mm. I knew I could not, I couldn't dare go back into a place that would be like that. And so mm. when that person planted that seed on Monday, my wheels started turning and I went on a road trip with my mom uh, to visit my grandmother uh, in her final year um, or years of living and, and had been living with dementia for a long time. And my mother had been taking care of her for so long. And I said, oh, I can go with you. Um, <laughs> All right. and, and I jumped in the car with her and we drove to Corpus Christi, which is about a four and a half hour drive. And, you know, I had a lot of time to talk to my mom. I had a lot of time to think. I spent some time with my grandmother, which only further reinforced the fact that our lives are short and need to be meaningful. And on the way back, I started talking to my mom about this idea. And I'm not sure what she thought at the time, but uh, she's always so uh, supportive that I'm sure she encouraged me to do whatever I felt was the right thing to do. And and I think that Thursday or Friday when we got back to town, I went to register my my DBA. That's amazing uh, and really uh, brave. Thank you. Uh, you do that uh, a lot. Like like listeners are about to hear all kinds of things where you're just like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I have this really extreme personality. I don't like to do anything that feels sort of like middle of the road or moderate. Uh, It's just it's something I'm very self-aware about. Um, Like, you know, uh, this probably wouldn't even come up, but I'll bring it up as an example. I hiked the Appalachian Trail in um, 2006 and I don't know if you know much about the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, I do. That is that Uh, is basically walking crazy as far as I can tell. Yeah, it's 14, 14 states, 2,200 miles. And, and you did the whole trail. 
I walked it for five months and eight days by myself. And Amy. And I did you not know that about no, me? No, I didn't. This is like this. You were insane. Seriously. I'm insane. I know. So, uh, so, but here's the, here's the part where you, where my character is revealed. I had <laughs> never, I had never been on a long distance hike before. I, I, I had heard. Hardly ever been hiking before, and and I just like I'm going to do this thing. I had I had met some through hikers years before and and had a conversation with them um, on one of the towns they had they had been hiking through, and it had stuck with me and kind of festered in the back of my mind and planted this seed, and and I just did it, and that's the that like that is a metaphor for like the entire my who who I am. Um it's like, was it, like did you enjoy it? Like was it like is it something that you look back and go, yeah, that was really, really smart? Or is it something like, I don't know what I was thinking, but at least I did it? Like like Well, like- I think both of those things are true. <laughs> um but you know, I, I think there are three things. There are four things. No, there are five things. I gotta mention my <laughs> but but Aside from my husband and my my beautiful child, there are three things in my life that have become the fabric of who I am. Okay. The first the first life changing thing was the Appalachian Trail. Okay. Um, the second life changing thing was starting this business because it it turned me around as a person. Everything about me became different when I when I. It was empowered to be become who I am through this business. And then the third thing, which I know we'll, we'll probably talk about, is is last year's hurricane. Um, which we'll definitely talk about. Those, a- and the, those three things ha- are the most powerful uh, shifts in my life. And that's amazing also that you recognize that. Like, you oh, know, like, like, I think, I think it's one thing to do these things. And I mean, I'm not nearly as impulsive as you are, but I definitely, there are things like learning how to scuba dive and stuff that were completely out of my character that I'm like, nah, I'm just going to go try it and see what happens. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that I realized the importance of what they were. Like I look mm-hmm. it back and I'm like, yeah, that was fun. And I'm glad I did it. But the fact that you know that it, it there was a, a paradigm shift in, in your, mm-hmm. in, in your outlook is just, it's amazing. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let me, so I love this. I love that you went to the Appalachian Trail and I had no idea about this. So, so back to Black Sheep. I, the way I remember knowing, because I knew about Black Sheep before I knew you. Mm-hmm. And the the way I remember it was at an event um, that you guys were, had something to do with, right? It was actually TEDx Houston and you had scheduled this protest right oh, outside yeah. the event. And I remember yeah. walking in and thinking, who the hell is protesting TEDx? Like, why would anybody have a problem with it? And then, you know, as you got, go through the gauntlet of people with, with megaphones and stuff, you realize that the protest is against apathy and ignorance, which is just so brilliant. And I feel like you're, the stuff that you do for everybody, there's this sort of like edge and this, you know, this thing that makes people go, what, what just happened, right? And then really kind of realize what the point was. And it's just a really be- beautiful, brilliant and yeah, kind of edgy, spiky way, I feel like. Is, do you, you know, think that's true? <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, that's what we aim for. You know, we we never want our work to have any possibility of being mistaken for any other agency's work. Like, mm. you know, we, we try and have this signature about us. And that TEDx protest was one of my favorite things we've ever done in our almost nine years. 
it's uh and I think it's it's also this great uh symbolic uh representation of what we try and do in all of our work. Like yeah. we are always trying to protest apathy and the norm and and you know like the way people already think. We want, you know, our our mission statement is really meaningful. You know, there's a lot of people that have mission statements uh, you know, that are get that get written in their employee handbook and things like that or hang on the wall. Um, and that and it doesn't really do anything. Ours is our North Star. I mean, it, right. it guides me every day and it's to uh to shock, to awe, to be the agency that changes minds and accelerates impact. And and that that last the shock and awe is the you know, is the part that you're talking about where it's right. like where you have you get people's attention because it's something so different and unexpected. Right. So that part's really important, but the the more important part to like the core of us is to to change people's minds, to shift their thinking and then to accelerate impact. Like we've got to know that we're we're making a difference and we're taking the good work that people are already doing and making it work so much harder for the world. Well, and that's what I really would love to talk to you about because that was that to me, when you made sh- when you made that shift, I just thought that was one of the bravest and riskiest things I had ever seen. Now that I know that you walked the Appalachian Trail, and maybe that wasn't the bravest and riskiest <laughs> thing you've ever done, but but I remember you sent an email out, like one of you, like a um, sort of like a press email, and you were like, "From now on, um, Black Sheep is only about helping people who have a strong, sustainable focus." That people who give back to the world. And I want yeah. to talk about why you did that. Like, yeah. what, 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 because I mean, I think everybody knows, okay, yeah, of course you should, you know, you should be kind to the world and you should be good to the world. But for you to kind of put your bottom line and your livelihood on the line and say, nope, this is all we're going to be about, I thought was incredibly brave, especially in a, especially in a city like Houston, where, um, you know, we have huge corporations here, huge oil and gas mm-hmm. corporations here who are, you know, are beholden to shareholders and beholden to doing things that maybe would not always be fully sustainable. So I thought sure. it was very risky. So tell me about your mindset, why you did it and how you did it. Yeah. So um, the, you know, one of the things looking back to my, that kind of tipping point in my career for the first 10 years, I was working on stuff that, uh, you know, didn't really speak to me. wasn't, you know, I, I, it was a challenge because it was taking, you know, things that weren't that interesting and, and trying to make people interested in, the, in them. Um, but it was, I questioned my life choices mm. for the first 10 years because my work just didn't feel meaningful. And about six months into establishing Black Sheep, we started working with an organization called neighborhood centers now yep. called now called Baker Ripley um where they're still a client today I'm proud to say um but we started working with them 6 months in and I remember being at our office after midnight with my team which then was about mm, maybe 3 people and I'm sure one of those was an intern and now mm-hmm. you know now we're 14 um right. uh and I remember sitting with those 3 people and like the the glow in their eyes after midnight and the excitement. And we were having this conversation while we were uh, 
you know, prepping and mounting our campaign to Blackboard and getting prepared for the next day. And everybody was so excited. And I like there was this silence for a second. And I just looked up and I still remember saying these words. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could just do work like this all the time? Mm. And as soon as I said it, that seed was planted. You know, it's like the second I that person said to me, you should start your own agency. It was like, as soon as I said those words out loud, it became this possibility. Mm. And, um, and so I started quietly thinking about that. And, and you and I talked about this the other day. It, 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 for a long time, I was just working toward that without really telling anybody I was working toward that. Although sometimes I would talk about it with my team, like, what if, what if, what if, um, But I was just, I was really making moves to try and go in that direction. And when I started making moves to try and go in that direction, more of that kind of work started coming to us. Mm. Um, That's amazing how that happens, isn't it? Like you set an attention and suddenly like the universe is like, oh, is that what you want? Here, let me help you out. (laughs) Yeah, I I genuinely believe in that, which is why I was so nervous about my Ignite talk the other day and, you know, having the, putting something else out into the universe is scary, but um but so I, I, I started working towards that. That was 2009 or maybe it was 2000, early 2010. And by 2014, most of our clients fell into that category Um, simply because that was the kind of work we knew we were good at. So we were, you know, we were sifting through new business opportunities with that lens. And so we got to that point, and in 2014, I just ripped the Band-Aid off and, mm. and, and said, this is what we're doing. And we had, at the time, two clients that didn't fit into that category. Uh, and I, I called them, and I said, this is what we're doing. I'm, I, you're probably not surprised by this, but this is what we're doing, and I would love it if you came with us on this journey and let us help you craft a social responsibility plan for your company and help you think about how to evolve in this way because the world is going in this direction and I would love for you to be ahead of the curve with us. Mm. And and both of those clients said yes and one of them meant it and the other one I don't think meant it. And yeah. and and eventually um we you know we parted with with that client. Be the day that I told them for those to be casualties of this decision and confident that we had a stable enough business that it wouldn't matter. But uh, so, you know, I'm a vegetarian and and I think I've told you this story before. When I became a vegetarian, I was so nervous to tell anyone that I was going to become a vegetarian because I was, I was worried that I wouldn't I would fail. Right. And so I just quietly stopped eating meat without telling anyone and and after six months, I knew this was going to stick. So I started telling people and making the commitment. And that's kind of how it worked with this process. It was just I was I was doing it quietly for a long time before we put it out into the world. So I felt I felt really confident by the time we made the decision. And it was just it. this is what I wanted. And this is what I knew was going to make me uh stay in this business for the long haul because it was fulfilling to me. It was so fulfilling. And, and so I knew that I almost had to do it in order to want to build, continue to build this business and, you know, 
culture has been so important to me as a part of Black Sheep. I just, I wanted to build a place from day one where people loved coming to work. So let, let's talk about that. So you make this change, right? And you you decide, okay, this is it. We're going to do this. And you've made the, you, and it sounds like from 2009 to 2014, you said. So you made the decision in 2009. You actually announced it in 2014. Mm-hmm. So five years later, but had already been working that way. Yeah. Right? So Tell me about what, once you had made that mind shift, maybe I guess it wasn't that moment when you were like, wouldn't it be great if all of our clients were like this? Like what changed internally within your company? Clearly you've grown, right? Like you've, I don't know, Mm -hmm. quadrupled your size. Um, Did the people who were there from the beginning, from the early, like was, did they see a palpable shift in morale? Did you see that the culture shifted in a way or was it really always there like what happened once you had made that that decision um i think for sure it strengthened our culture uh because it gave us a truly original identity right and and you know we were so the name black sheep is obviously a bit of a rebellious name and i think from the beginning i felt like i was protesting this uh, traditional format of agency and like normal thinking and um, and the status quo and and things like that and and so it was it was really our the people that were attracted to us in the early years were really attracted to the idea of like kind of rebelling right. and uh, and and of uh, you know, being a part of a cool agency that was doing different things. Right. And, and, and we've never lost that. I think, you know, that's still there, but now we have this incredibly deep culture that is attracting people who are uh, a little bit more activist than marketer, a little bit, uh, you know, really interested in changing the world. And the, the satisfaction level that they get from seeing the results of their work is is contagious sure. and re-energizing. And, I, you know, we work really hard in the agency world. I, you're an attorney. You know how attorney's hours are. Agency hours are kind of similar to that. We, I mean, we put in a lot of time. And when you're working in the impact space, let me break this down because – you, we are asking people who are are helping refugees or working to decrease homelessness right. or, you know, helping to improve the educational system in the nation. We are asking them to give us their dollars and to make an investment in our agency, because even though we're cause driven, we are not a bargain shopper right. location, you know, <laughs> right, right, right. you know, so, um, it, it, it is an investment to hire our agency, but what we have is this great sense of responsibility to take those dollars that could have gone directly to the mm. people that these organizations are helping. And we have to return on that so greatly with strategy and yep. creative work and and you know heart and blood and sweat and tears that we know will make the constituents of those organizations so much better off right. and that's the kind of thing that can keep you up at night sure that's, that <laughs> you know that's the kind of thing that can exhaust a person but when you have 
when you see, when you put that into it and then you see the outcomes of your work and you see the way people light up in a meeting when you finally tell their story and talk about the work that they've been pouring their hearts into for decades, you see, I mean, like there, there's something that you get from that that you can't get from anything else. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that attracts these amazing people to come and work with me and, and that fulfills them in a way like we just have this bond over our work that is I can't imagine that it's the same anywhere else um I think maybe like social workers have a similar bond right um but it's just it's I can't even it's the fabric of that and the way it connects us and what it gives us in our lives is so uh I just feel so lucky to get to do this work well I love that and I love that that you do this work and you do it with such passion and then you come home and you do more of it on your own. And so I want to talk a little bit about that because um, as it turned out, you're giving my little family a place to say was the least of what you were doing um, when it came to Hurricane Harvey. Uh, you you and, a, and one of your very dear friends launched a distribution center um, just because you saw a need. So can we talk a little bit about the Giving Hub because I think the Giving Hub was um, was masterful in finding a need and just doing it, not waiting. You didn't have the luxury of waiting and just going in and doing it. So tell 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 everybody a little bit about about the Giving Hub. Uh, so me and my friend, my sweet sweet friend Carla Valencia, who runs local magazine in Houston, uh, we went to volunteer. We both have young children, and we um, the second we could have childcare. For our kids, we we both wanted to, we, you know, we were, we had felt a little trapped by the hurricane and we wanted to hit the ground running and do something to help our city. So we went and volunteered that Thursday. And so we, the, the, let, let's just to give people kind of a, kind of a timeline. So the, the hurricane, if I remember correctly, came on shore like a, a Saturday night, Sunday morning is mm-hmm. when, when it all hit, right? So you're trapped because the city was shut down. Right. Like roads were shut down and everything. So you can finally get out and move around and you have time and you can get childcare to to watch your kids. So like four days later. Right. So you're going in. Is that, that, does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the heavy rains stopped maybe Tuesday and then uh, Wednesday, you really just couldn't hardly get anywhere on the roads. Like there were a lot of boat rescues still happening at that time. And, um, and so Thursday was the first day or Wednesday was probably the first day people could get out. And Thursday was the first day we could get out because we need, we needed, we couldn't take our children with us out into the chaos. So, right, of course. Um, so Thursday we go out and the short version of this is we went to volunteer um, and we had an experience that showed us because of our, because of what we do for a living, we manage these huge projects. We're very connected in the city um, we both kind of do work that connects with impact on a regular basis. Um, we just realized that there was a there was a need that what existed so far wasn't going to be able to satisfy. And so and my landlord had so Carla and I were out in the car a lot that day because we were making deliveries to people and and my landlord had this space that was available 
And so I called him up and I said, this is your business landlord, right? Your, yes. Your, yeah. Your, yes. The landlord, here. the landlord for black sheep's uh, building. And, yep. and I said, this is what's happening is, would you mind loaning me this vacant space for Labor Day weekend? And he's the nicest man in the world. So he said, yes. And, and by Friday morning, we had set up a inventory system and created a, you know, mini brand for this place. And we also, you know, per our businesses are very connected digitally through social media. We have big communities. Um, so it was pretty easy for us to reach, you know, 50 or 60,000 people by our email lists and our social media channels uh, overnight. Right. And we opened the doors of this space and we had, you know, we rallied my team and, and, and our families and basically like, you know, anyone we could get our hands on. And we opened this space and we started accepting things from people in the community. You know, the basic life needs were kind of what we were centered on water, diapers, formula, food, um, cleaning supplies, um, you know, just the essentials. And, and we started taking those in from people in the community and, you know, Individuals started showing up, families started showing up, people were going to Costco and, you know, buying out sections of the store. Right. Um, And then brands started coming to us. Um, People started shipping us things from uh, around the country. Uh, So that was our incoming. So we were bringing those things in, inventorying them, and then outgoing we had we popped up a website pretty much overnight as well and we had a request form where people could say these are what my needs are and here's where I am and so we were serving uh, other shelters other distribution centers in more remote parts of the city and state um, large uh, communities of families that were having trouble um, getting things to them. That were and, kind and of if like I remember isolated. correctly, like it wasn't just Houston, like you were serving people as far south as Corpus Christi and almost to the Louisiana border as well, right? Like it was, it was oh, quite yeah. a swath of, yeah. of the state that you were doing. And how many yeah. families did you end up impacting? Uh, you know, I don't have a family count, but we, it, it would be hard to count because sometimes people were reaching out to us saying, I'm serving a neighborhood of yeah. 500 families. Right. Um, so it was hard to count families, although I could go back and do that because we have these great records of who we helped. Um, but we, we distributed over a hundred thousand goods around the city and state and, and what I should also mention is that, remember, I asked my landlord to borrow the space for Labor Day weekend. Well, that, you know, that we opened on Friday. We planned to do this Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday because everybody was closed either for the hurricane or for the holiday. Right. And we thought it was this great, you know, we would do this. And then on Saturday, someone walked in and said, there's no way you can stop doing this. And <laughs> And so, and so, I mean, it was, it, we had, we had over 500 volunteers come through during the time we were there, which ended up being, by the way, 22 days, um, where, where Carla and I were working, if I had to guess somewhere between 16 and 18 hours a day, 
Um, our kids were in and out of there, uh, <laughs> you know, being held by volunteers and things like that. And um, and trucks were coming. So this got so viral and big that like Nick from Seattle drove uh, <laughs> RV in and, you know, the, the, the Junior League in New Orleans sent us two truckloads full of diapers and baby supplies. I mean, people were coming from all over the country. Some some bikers from Kentucky brought us <laughs> a trailer full. I mean, it was just people was were amazing. coming from just, all over the world. I remember that. It was just so huge and so amazing. And, and I you know, I love it. I know it got... Um, I got the attention of the Obama Foundation, which I'll link to that video about it um, in the show notes. It was it was really amazing. But one thing that I do remember about about what was happening is I remember because of course I was living in your backyard in your in your um, apartment. Is I remember you coming home just exhausted, right? Like I remember you being really. I I don't know what time you started in the morning. I know you were coming home late, and. And really, all as you, you mentioned also that you're working crazy hours and you feel this deep responsibility to your clients and your regular life as well. Like this is some really draining stuff. So mm-hmm. so how do you keep yourself from being sucked all the way in or losing hope or, um, you know, incapacitating yourself? Like, how do you how do you take care of yourself? Well, I mean, that will have two different answers for what happened during the hurricane, uh, the aftermath of the hurricane and what how I do it now. But yep. so so after the hurricane, that 22 days, I didn't. I I <laughs> I did not. I neglected myself in a incredibly unhealthy way mm. and and my family was just that you know, saintly about supporting and and you know, collaborating and compromising in every way possible because they were so grateful that I was jumping in and doing the work and they knew they could see how important it, my husband could see how important it was to me. Um, I, I, I suffered extreme PTSD after the Mm -hmm. hurricane. Um, and I, and it was uh, the recovery, I, you know, it was, it was something like I've never experienced before. Mm. Um, uh, Carla luckily is a little bit of a voodoo witch and she, <laughs> she, uh, she's big into essential oils and, and things like that. We had, uh, in our, in the giving hub, we had a diffuser pumping into the room to like try and give us some energy and things like that. But it, you know, I didn't do the right thing for myself at all during that period. And I, it, because it was a short period of time and I'm a giver, it, it was everything to me to be able to do this for the city. And to, I mean, if you, if you heard some of the stories or met some of these people, like yeah, it, it was impossible to do anything else. I mean, yeah. it was just what the world needed, but, but I will say since November, I've turned over a new leaf mm. about, um, you know, taking care of myself. And I went to, you mentioned the Obama Foundation. I went to the the summit in November and listened to a an interview with Michelle Obama uh, in the room. And she was talking about how she takes care of herself, self-care and time management. And because of how vulnerable I was post hurricane, this moment was everything to me. Mm. Just hear, hearing from her, uh, what if you're that much of a a person who wants to help other people, and your work is centered in in trying to give to the community, then you have to prioritize some of these self care things, mm. or or you won't 
be able to sustain in the long term and give as much as you want to give. And, you know, people had said that to me before and I would just kind of smile and <laughs> and think and think and think uh, that's really sweet. I'm fine. And I, th- and this is a part of who I am. And maybe right. and I mean, this is kind of awful to say, but I would think maybe you're not as strong as I am. <laughs> Bless um, your heart. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, I actually love this and it's essential to my being. And right, right. I, I, and I, I don't need so much self care and right. things like that. But I'll tell you that I, I've had a bit of an epiphany about that in mm. November and, and I've changed my life. I came home from Chicago and I booked a personal trainer that I work out with three times uh, a week in the mornings. And I, booked all of my doctor's appointments and all the things that I need to do that are predictable to take care of myself. And I, you know, I, I, you know, some other things I booked, uh, time for me to be in the office on Mondays and not take meetings and in the office on Thursdays, uh, to write and have think time and in the, in the morning and then to be, available for internal meetings in the afternoon. And now I only take meetings on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, which is something I've tried to do before and didn't stick to it because I had uh, this guilt associated with telling people that I wasn't available or something like that. Right. And, and now I've just realized, you know, the things that people need me for that they might have to wait for are nowhere near as things that Michelle Obama is needed for. And if she can tell people that these other things come first, then I can probably do that too. Um, And so I've, I've really tried to change my habits. I I had kind of this, you know, a lot of people reset at the new year and I reset in November in a way that I never have before. And it has changed in such a significant way. The control I feel I have over my life, uh, just like shifted from this reactive, you know, sense of urgency to this controlled sense of urgency Mm. where I'm in charge. And it really has been so incredibly empowering. I love that. I love that. I love what you say about, about it's not reactive anymore. It's controlled. And I think that's, that's really, that's really interesting. Um, And I, I would imagine that as a result, you probably end up being more productive and more focused because you have this sort of control over your time and and how you take care of yourself. I love that. Yeah. Well, and another thing is I I have always been this person who's really opposed to rules because I associate, you know, uh, great feats or um, accomplishments with breaking the rules. Right. (laughs) And, and what I have realized now is that is not, uh, uh, always true like sometimes you need rules make the structure that frees you yeah and that sounds like an oxymoron Uh, you know it sounds counterintuitive but sometimes structure can set you free and that that is what has happened for me I love that okay so um to wind everything up so you you know you you mentioned that you're the type of person that Walks the Appalachian Trail. I cannot believe I didn't know that about you. But um, that, <laughs> but you do these sort of impulsive things. Let's say, mm-hmm. um, let's say I'm not you, and let's say that I am somebody who 
while I love the idea of giving back, and I do believe strongly in giving back, that there's a part of me that's like, well, who the hell am I to do anything? And what skills do I have that could actually wor be worth anything? And where would I find out where skills like mine would be needed anyway? Like, what advice would you give to somebody who is making that that sort of decision to start doing something but doesn't know how to begin? That's really hard because I think those moments happen so differently for everyone. But I guess if I was thinking universally, I you know, I think what is so important is to figure out what you really care about and to yep. try and to try and understand also what you're good at and then maybe create a Venn diagram of those things to, and, and, <laughs> right. and, you know, draw a circle on one side. This is what I care about. Draw a circle on the other side. This is what I'm good at. And then spend some time brainstorming about what might be in the middle of yep. where they meet. Um, I think, you know, I'm an incredibly, I, I believe myself to be an incredibly self-aware person. Yep. And I love the moments that I have where I have this, you know, a new realization about myself. And I try and really own that and then figure out how to use it. And yep. I think I take for granted that everybody doesn't have that clarity. And so one of the things that I often tell my team is if if you're trying to figure out a pattern. So this is another thing I do in my work. I look for patterns because the patterns reveal tensions and then opportunities. And so uh, one of the things that uh, the exercises that I think is helpful is, uh, and you do this a lot, is yeah. journaling. Yeah. And um, and I'm not a journaler, but I am a list maker. So one of the things that, counts, that I... That by the way. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I think um, I've told people, pick a period of time. I usually say two weeks because I think you can do anything for two weeks. Right. And and put a notepad where you spend most of your time so that it's visible, so that you'll keep being reminded that you need to do it. And write down how you're spending your time for that two weeks. So just like, okay, I'm cooking dinner. And like, write cooking dinner because that takes, you know, 45 minutes or whatever. So like anything you can identify that you're doing for – 15 minutes or more and write it down yep. for two, for two weeks. And then, and then go back at the end of the two weeks and circle everything that you did not like to do mm. in one color and then circle everything that you really loved doing in the other color. And then, you know, try and maybe that helps fill your Venn diagram with you know, what might lie in the middle, or at least if nothing else, it will help you be more self-aware of what you're having to do that you're not enjoying so that you can change that in some way, or, you know, what you're, you are getting to do that you wish that you could spend more of your time doing so that you can also work toward that. And, um, you know, I think anything you can do to help you get to know yourself better is really important. I mean, that that is why the Appalachian Trail was one of the greatest gifts for me is being alone with your thoughts for five months and eight days is really uh, maybe that's the key to why I'm so self-aware. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had never spent that much time thinking about what I wanted. And yeah. and you've got to give yourself that you've got to give yourself the time to think about what you want. And yeah. 
And if you feel lost in that, then you have to figure out little steps to, you know, trying things to help you get to a better place with that. Because the moment, the moment that you figure out what you want, which is why all of these turning points were so important for me, the Appalachian Trail was that for me, the moment that I declared that we would, you know, that, that late night at the office, what if we could do this all the time? And then when we said, we're going to do this all the time, like those were the moments that I figured out what I wanted. And, and then I just did it. And, um, I know it's not that easy for everyone. And, um, but knowing what it, you want is the first step and then yeah. once once you know what you want you're you're at least halfway there yeah. and and then you can you know it's it's at least one obstacle is eliminated you can never just do it if you don't even know what it is yeah. so I love that I love that so much I still will never do the Appalachian Trail but I, <laughs> I don't care. most people most people won't most people won't but it was amazing all right this was amazing okay before I let you go though we're gonna do a little bullet round Okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to say two things and you're going to pick your favorite. Um, and, uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll ask short questions, but basically, basically what I want is your like first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. It's easy. Scary. You don't, don't know. It's easy. Like coffee or tea. Coffee. See, easy, right? Yeah. Beach or city. Mm, mountains. Mountains. <laughs> Oh, okay. Fair enough. I'll take that. Um, uh, when it comes to branding, entertaining or provocative? Mm, provocative. Yeah. I, I, come on. Black sheep. You had to choose that, right? Yeah. Um, uh, biggest personal inspiration. Who's your, who's your hero? Oh, um, ah, I don't <laughs> like this one, Karen. <laughs> You know, I I have always had a weird thing for Mae West. Nice. Rule breaker. Uh, a, a big rule breaker. Uh, Eleanor Roosevelt. Another rule breaker. And, I mean, Michelle Obama has changed my life in a way that I can't, words can't even express. So those three. And my mama. And your mom, who I've met, and I could totally see why she would be your hero. She's awesome. Yeah. She's wonderful. All right. And then there's two more that Alex, my daughter, makes me ask every guest. So um, Pandora cool. or Spotify? Spotify. Yeah. And Facebook or Instagram? Mm. I like Twitter. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. We'll go with that. That's perfect. And my final question what does it mean to thrive? I think I think thriving goes back to what I said about being in control mm. in the midst of chaos uh, and and being in the middle of that Venn diagram. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, owning owning where you are. I there's nothing more frustrating to me than a person who complains and doesn't do something about it. And I think when you're thriving, you are, you are doing what you can do to make your moments on this planet, the best moments they can be. I love that. That is perfect. Thank you so much for being a part of my little podcast here, Amy. I'm just thrilled that you joined me. It was so fun. (laughs) Thanks for having me. 
Amy has become such a dear friend, and I'm so grateful to her for joining me here on the Make Light Show. And like always, I'm so grateful that you joined us as well. If you'd like to find out more about today's guest, Amy Woodall, and her work at the Black Sheep Agency, be sure to check out the show notes at themakelightshow.com. And if you're talking about today's episode on social media, don't forget to use hashtag MakeLightShow so we can find you. I'm Karen Walrett, and I'll be back next week with a new episode. In the meantime, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. Thrive on, friends.